0: The Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group is an award-winning team with hundreds of successful transactions under their belt. Through their national network, the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group works hard to help families realize the dream of home ownership. As a community advocate, Cynthia Joyner is proud to be the presenting sponsor of Jazz in the Park Huntsville. You can find the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group on the web at CynthiaJoiner.com.
1: Of course, you have the, uh, I don't know how you want to call it, uh, conservative hardliners that that feel like past 1960, like anything past kind of blue, Miles Davis is not jazz. (laughs) I think, you know, at the heart of jazz is uh, improvisation, um, innovation, and uh, just look at Miles Davis, case in point. Uh, you know when he went on to make you know those uh, the incredible record with uh, with uh, Marcus Miller and Tutu in particular. I mean that was much different than any of the quote unquote you know straight ahead traditional jazz. But gosh, I mean just incredible. And and that had a great groove to it, but it's still jazz. So I th- I think it's what you want it to be. I think that's the amazing thing about it. And I do think it's important that it keeps um you know continuing to uh evolve and and metamorphosize because um you know we don't at the same time we don't want to get stuck in any one era Uh, and that's something i noticed too when i was in um, college is the quote unquote making jazz into a classical form of music where this is jazz and we're just going to perform it that same way you know i think it's definitely important to um, study the greats and internalize that but then at the same time take that and make something new out of it
0: Jazz 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 with Kenny Anderson
2: with seven number one hits and over 50 concert dates per year that's going to certainly increase I'm sure Adam Hawley's first two albums stormed the charts in unprecedented fashion setting the stage for his third release Escape The album features great appearances by Naji, Rick Braun, Michael linkton Marcus Anderson, Jeff Ryan and Cat harley who we'll talk about a little bit more a little bit later in our conversation. Adam signed of Kalimba Music, founded by the great Maurice White of Earth, Wind & Fire. We'll talk to him about that in August of 2015. And his first offering on the Kalimba label featured such greats as Brian Culberson, Joe Albright, Huge Groove, Eric Darius, and Michael Linkton. Welcome to Jazz with Kenny Anderson. Adam Hawley, what's happening, man? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a great time to be able to have this experience, this conversation, and to learn more about just your passion for the great work that you're doing. So again, thank you for, as I say, always being such a generous person in terms of offering uh, commentary, offering yourself to be able to uh, provide a context in which you do the great work that you do, and then also for all the amazing music that you uh, produce and perform.
1: Oh, you are too kind. No, right back at you. Appreciate your support. Uh, you know, we can't do it without gentlemen like yourself keeping the music alive. And uh, it was an honor to come down and hang out with you down in Huntsville. So uh, hope we can do it again soon.
2: Hey, listen, you are a jazz in the park Huntsville veteran. I want to start right there because <laughs> that's always an amazing experience We've been a little bit derailed, as many people have, because of the pandemic. We had to shut it down last year, and we're actually going to do a virtual event this year out Mm -hmm. of respect to the loss of Bernard Lockhart, the founder of Jazz in the Park. And uh, they're regrouping and resetting right now, so we did not think it would be appropriate to get too far ahead of their process. So we're going to do a virtual event that will also pay tribute to him. But listen, when you came to Huntsville, you electrified the audience. And we've talked about this before because – we actually had a change of venue. So it was jazz in the park Huntsville in the school auditorium, but it was right. still an electrifying performance. Adam, that was just an amazing experience.
1: Oh, it was incredible. And kudos to you guys. I, I was wondering how is this going to happen? It was raining cats and dogs. And next thing I know, the entire stage, everything is, is reset up. And it was such a blast. Um, just such a, uh, electric show. The audience was just uh, ready to party, ready to have a good time and uh, just great music lovers there in Huntsville. So, uh, you know, we can't do it without the the fans. So uh, it was awesome.
2: Yeah, that's great that you said that, too, because we always pay tribute to our fans, our supporters, those people who keep this process alive. And I want to take it all the way back, as I have with everyone I've talked to on this uh, platform thus far. Talk about your humble beginnings in music.
1: Oh, gosh. So I'm from Oregon and, uh, you know, I grew up there uh, not in a musical family, uh, just for some reason, I always wanted to play the guitar from the earliest memory that I have. And uh, the only thing I can, I think I can attribute it to is my parents did have a vinyl record collection And I remember stumbling across that they also had a cassette collection as well, which dates this a little bit. And, uh, but, uh, you know, they had, uh, earth, wind and fire. That's the way the world, they had uh, brothers Johnson. They had uh, a lot of oldies as well. Uh, like sixties, um, Everly brothers, Elvis, you name it, just a whole gamut of uh, great music. We had some great stations up there as well. I remember, uh, Kissin' FM, 97.1, they used to play all of the Motown and just all of the great music of the 60s and 70s. And, uh, and that's influenced me going forward. And, and uh, it was pretty, I have to say, apropos, because I remember distinctly the, looking at the cover of That's the Way of the World and just thinking, man, this is just such an amazing thing. So to, to sign with Maurice, uh, what would that be, uh, Twenty years over 20 years later, was, uh, was pretty incredible.
2: Well, talk about that for a minute, because we're talking about a legend right now in the music industry. In fact, uh, I went to my very first in my lifetime Earth, Wind & Fire concert in 2019. And of course, they've oh. gone through so much transition over the years. Yeah. So I was seeing them on the back end of it. But still, it was an amazing performance. They've always been one of my favorites. But you were signed by Maurice White. How did that come about?
1: You know, uh, and, and and a lot of people ask me, you know, what, what is the secret or, or you know, how did you get your start or get to where you are? And, you know, you don't know if you don't take a chance. So I, believe it or not, had completely finished my album and mastered it. And through uh, my experiences touring, um, I had been able to get all the special guests that you mentioned. I mean, talk about a dream come true on a first album to have Gerald Albright, Huge Groove, Eric Darius, et cetera all on an unknown artist album. And it was due to me touring and playing guitar for all of them and getting to know them on the circuit. Um, Brian Culbertson as well, I was his guitarist in 2013, 2014. So at any rate, having those guests on there and managing to, fortunately, it turned out to be a great record. But I did all that independently and was ready to release it. And then a good friend of mine, Greg Manning, um, uh, I'll tell you the story uh, quickly. We were in a car driving from Las Vegas to Los Angeles. We had a uh, carpool doing a gig together. So he was captive. He couldn't go anywhere. I had him for four hours. And I was just picking his brain, honestly, not trying to uh, get signed or anything. Just, hey, you know, what, what has been your process? Anyways, he said, you know what? Uh, I'm signed to Kalimba, and they're looking for new artists. So when your album is done, shoot it over to me, and I'll get you in touch with the A&R executive. And his name was Ted Joseph. This gentleman, by the way, was with Warner Brothers for 30 years. He was with Prince from the beginning and all of the other. I mean, Warner Brothers is such a massive label. I mean, the list goes on and on. So but if I hadn't made that album, um, you know, who knows? But, uh, you know, they really liked what they heard. They signed me. I was the last person, sadly, that Marie signed before he passed away. Um, And uh, I signed in May of 2015. And uh, I had to wait eight months nine months for my album to come out they said you know what you're a new artist we want you to have the best possible shot at making an impact so we want you to come out at the top of the year 2016 so the album was done and sat in the can for nine months uh but they were they uh they pulled all the right uh strings because that first single came out and it ended up being number one for five weeks and it was top 10 for like the whole summer basically. And, uh, and that's what got everything started the summer of 2016. And since then, as you mentioned, been so fortunate to have um, several more number ones since then. And uh, it's just a blessing, you know, I, uh, I feel fortunate.
2: And what was that early experience like for you? Because a lot of artists coming out the gate um, in any particular time of year have the same ambition to be able to do the best they can, they want to be successful. They've typically been at it for many, many years, and yet you strike gold on your first hit. Um, what was that feeling like for you?
1: Well, it was it was an amazing feeling, and and it, and it was a product of you know seeing a song go number one. That that that's something, but that's the tip of the iceberg. You know, I had been working on that album for eleven years, if you can believe that. I started on the record when I was an undergrad at USC in Los Angeles in 2005. And in fact, that first single I wrote in 2005, it took 11 years for it to come out. So I guess the the main thing I would say is there's just, uh, you know, there's no substitute for hard work. But also, um, a lot of people talk about, oh, I didn't get the lucky break, or I didn't, you know, it's who you know, but it really is who you know, and you can make your own luck. And so for myself, it was um, getting to an area of uh, what I wanted to be a part of and getting to know people in that industry. And so by being able to tour um, as a guitarist with Brian Culbertson and Dave Cause and do the Dave Cause cruise and et cetera, it was a really great way in in a sense to apprentice to get to know the industry, get to know the artists, the promoters, and get to know how the whole ecosystem works in a low pressure environment because I wasn't at that point trying to be an artist. I was just trying to be a great guitar player, but I was able to gather all that knowledge and build my network over time so that when I did want to take that step and put the record out, um, you still never know, but there's you have a lot of things going for you as opposed to it being just out of a black hole.
2: I kind of think of you as a complete person. And the reason I oh. say that. <laughs> The reason I say that is because you have the musicianship, you produce, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, because you've had some great success, in fact, phenomenal success uh, over the past year throughout the pandemic. Uh. Uh, But also, uh, you have a background in music education. I mean, that's what your degrees are in, and you have a doctorate Mm -hmm. degree. So talk a little bit about the education journey as it relates to your musicianship.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you hear a lot of people say, well, you know, I want to get a degree, so I have a fallback or or some sort of notion of that. To me, it's all interrelated. It all works together. Um, I um, am able to uh, uh, come across education opportunities based on my touring and vice versa. Uh, uh, Touring leads to master classes and whatnot. Um, Another example is... uh, the chair at the school that I currently teach at is a community college in Orange County. Um, She uh, ends up hiring me to do a lot of copy work, writing a lot of charts, you know? And so that's something that's not, I'm not teaching, but because I know her, her being the chair of my department, I'm getting other opportunities. So I think it all works together. And I also just really enjoy it. I have so much fun. I have just such incredible talented students. And yeah, you're exactly right. That's why I uh, pursued Uh, my graduate degrees and did a master's and then a doctorate from USC because, um, it's something I'm passionate in and, uh, and it works really well with my schedule right now. I teach one day a week on Mondays. It's fantastic. It's super rare that there's a show on a Monday. I mean, that's, that's so unusual. So it's great. I can fly in even if I have to Monday morning, go straight to the classroom, work with my students. I teach a class and, and I also have several private students and, uh, And I have to give a shout out to them. They really persevered in the pandemic. Um, One of the classes I teach is an ensemble. And so, you know, how do you do an ensemble via zoom? Right. I mean, that, that's literally the opposite of what the class description was. So I enlisted them to do recording projects and to do them virtually and then attach video content to that and make music videos out of it. And man, they just came up with some, unbelievable arrangements and I was just amazed at their creativity and then what was wild is we ended up going back to campus the last month of the semester and then we had to put together an actual live performance in four weeks and uh, and that was daunting because we had gotten such in the groove of recording and editing and and uh, you know having post-production you can fix things you know in the mix so that was a fun challenge too to um, get them to where you know back to what we initially we're intending to do, which was perform live. So um, at any rate, just really, really talented students and, uh, and I really enjoy it.
2: You know, I've often mentioned the upside of COVID in terms of how, how have we learned during the pandemic? And I'm listening to you now talk and I'm thinking about how much your students have been challenged to stretch and yeah. to tap into that well of creativity and innovation that will serve them so well as they move forward in life. And perhaps they were exposed to some things that they may not have traditionally been looking at or thinking about, but they're gonna be so much more equipped because of that. And you, of course, throughout the pandemic have continued to pivot in various ways. I wanna first of all talk about your pivoting to the virtual uh, space, because you were one of the first people that I saw who were holding regular virtual sessions online to connect with your audience. Tell me about that experience.
1: Yeah, you know, um, uh, you know, Rick Braun probably was the first, you know, I, I he he had a he had a show up like the day after the everything shut down. I said, how did you do that? So I just kind of looked at it. There was a couple people that popped up right away and I just wanted to it was important to me to do something unique, something different, but still engaged with the fans. Um, and it was out of necessity too. Uh, my album. My third album, Escape, came out February 28th. And everything shut down March 14th. So I was like, man, is you know, I I had um, over 50 dates booked that easily would have been 60 or more in 2020. And and those are all a great device to promote the record. So I was like, man, am I going to just let this new record just wither? Uh, And so that was one of the reasons um, I got it started. And, you know, I played around with the format for the first couple weeks and pretty early on settled into uh, having an interview-based show um, where there's performances, there's interview backstory on um, the artists. Uh, and then I also perform live as well, and, uh, and keeping it, trying to keep it all in a tight hour. And, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, had some incredible guests uh, Rick Braun, Dave Cause, Denise Williams, Paul Jackson Jr. I mean, the, it, the list goes on and on. Mindy Bear so uh it's it's just been a lot of fun getting and and I've learned a lot too. I learned quite a bit about a lot of these artists that I didn't know, even though I've been knowing them now for fifteen years so um So that was a lot of fun. It's been really a great way to get in touch with fans, keep in touch with them. And I'm excited because I have a new album coming out in September. And so I'm just about to start using the show as a way to introduce people to the new music as well. So the show is still going. We're a year strong. Uh, Shameless plug. It's every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, You guys are in Central Time, so 8 p.m. Central And, uh, and yeah, we just have incredible guests week after week. Every time I reach out, uh, 99% of the people I reach out to are like, Oh, would love to let's do it. You know? And we come up with some really cool collaborations musically as well that you won't see anywhere else. I often learn their songs and we do a duet. And, uh, so yeah, it's been just a really cool way to keep in touch with the fans and, um, And also, I made a point to make it different than the live show because that's the one thing you could say is, oh, I don't want to oversaturate. So I made sure to make it, again, interview based, more informal, more laid back. And then, of course, there's still a good reason to come see me live because that's the full live experience.
0: Adam Howley with the track Saturday Morning from his project. Esca. And now back to Kenny's conversation with him on Jazz with Kenny Anderson.
2: Let me ask you, Adam, because I've seen you perform live and it really is uh, an experience. It's a treat. It's a delight. It's just a magical thing that happens with so much uh, power. There's a force involved. How do you go about preparing for a show, a live show?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's really important to to view um, the record and the show are two different things. Obviously, there's there's um, some commonalities. You've got some of the same music in in both, but I really spend a lot of time working on the live arrangements. You know, the record is one thing. Generally, people listening to an album are kind of relaxed, whereas at a show they're ready to have a good time. So. For me, it's so important, the flow, um, hitting all the different emotional moments. You know, obviously, uh, we want to have a good time, have people, you know, party and dance. But we also want to have intimate moments where you, you know, really reach people. And mm-hmm. and and because that frames the, the, the whole experience. If, if you have too much of one or the other, if it's just all intense the entire time, it starts to become, even if it's great uh becomes monotonous. So that's something I think about all the time. I'm always changing my show year to year and just tweaking things, trying different arrangements. Um, you know, and then of course I always love to do an homage to uh to the old school because that's that's where I got my start. That's where I um cut my teeth learning all of those songs from the 70s and the 80s. And uh, so I always throw that in there as well. And uh Essentially, do a bit of a DJ Adam. You know, I'll just I'll flip through, you know, Stevie Wonder, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Gap Band, and I'll just do little tastes, just to um, because I like the songs because that's where my influences are from. But then it, it I also connect with the fans because they similarly. Um, I think are, you know, thinking back over their memories and, and, you know, thinking about those songs and what it means to them. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's something I think about a lot. And the last thing I'll say is I just owe a lot to the great performers I toured with before I was, um, uh, you know, hundred percent a solo artist and especially Brian Culberson and Dave Cause not only are they amazing musicians, but, the way that they connect with the audience that that's the word that's really important to me and what I noticed it's all about the fan experience it's about um, reaching them making sure that they they feel like they all have a front row seat and you're engaged with them and so it's something I think about all the time and, and try to you know lean on my experience of working with both of them two of the the giants in the industry.
2: Well, speaking of working with people and giants in the industry, you perform oftentimes with a lady named Kat Hall.
1: Yeah, that's right. And
2: uh, Kat actually performed when you were here in Huntsville. Tell us a little bit about Kat.
1: Yeah. So my lovely wife, we met in church and uh, I was in college and uh it's not as scandalous as it sounds. She was a senior in high school. So, uh, but we only have a two and a half year diff- difference. So don't, you know, we don't need any headlines, but at <laughs> any rate, we met at church and I was playing in the band and she was one of the vocalists in the, in the praise team. And so we ended up, um, work, uh, performing together at church for many years. And then, uh, once I started doing my own shows, I just started incorporating her and, um, I knew she was a great singer but just the, again the way that she connects with the audience is just huge and even though I'm a, a guitarist it's an instrumental all my albums are instrumental the show is a you know um instrumental jazz but having her come out and do a vocal number I'll typically bring her out song four or song five and it just brings another lift and takes it to another level and so she's at like almost every show i mean the only time she misses a show is if it's a family commitment or something so she's a huge part of of the experience and uh and i make sure to feature her on every album as well so she's on at least one song of each record and uh it, it's funny you mentioned it too because just the other day she's becoming known outside of me so i had somebody call me and he was booking me for a festival in uh rally durham and he said, oh, and by the way, you know, this is great singer, Cat Holly. Uh, is she related to you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's my wife. He said, oh, yeah, yeah. I know her from Facebook. I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> and, and, and she is so integral that it's so funny because occasionally she'll miss a show. The, the one I, in particular I'm thinking about is Seabreeze uh, in 2019, I think. And she couldn't make it; she had a wedding, and so had a great show. People were partying, dancing the whole time. I get off stage; three different people came up to me. "Where's Kat?" They didn't say anything (laughs) about the show, anything about "oh, that was great." I know it was a great show; people were were having a great time. But that was the first. I said, "Dang, what what didn't I do something up there?" So uh, she's definitely worked her way into being, uh, you know, a huge part of it. And uh, and it's the other thing that's really great is. It's, it's just it's just it's all about family and us, you know, uh, sticking together. And when I was touring a lot as uh, as a guitarist uh, for other artists, um, you know, I would be gone, you know. And uh, so we spend a lot more time with each other, which is great, too. And occasionally we're able to bring our son as well. So that's the nice thing, too. We get to experience the world together. And, uh, you know, and just, uh, you know, it's not the thing of I'm shipping off and all right, you know, see you in a week. You know, we get to experience that together.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's got to be special. And I'm glad that you acknowledge the rest of the family, Adam Jr. And of course, you've got a dog named Rufus. And (laughs) uh, I want to ask you about being a father. What does what is that like for you? What does that mean to you?
1: Oh, well, it's a huge responsibility and, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's something I take really seriously. Um, we, uh, really, really want to encourage our son and, and whatever he's interested in. And, uh, so it's been, uh, quite a journey. He's only 12 and, uh, you know, obviously at that age, you flip through a lot of different interests, but he's really settled on, um, being interested in coding and uh, engineering and, and uh, mathematics, all of those type of things. He's just excelling at an incredible level in school. And these are things he brought up independently of me or my wife. It's not something I know anything about. So, uh, So, yeah, we have regular coding sessions. I'm learning right along with him. And uh, just making sure to keep him involved in what he's interested in, make sure he keeps his his grades up. And uh, we're so proud of him. Every semester he's uh, on a roll, he's uh, straight A's. Um, If he has A's, he wants to get A pluses. And, uh, so we're just, uh, just so thankful for that. And, uh, and just making sure not to be, you know, the, the stage mom, stage dad, you know, so, so we've, uh, you know, empowered him. We, we've, we've, gotten gosh, five different instruments instruments for him, but I, just, I don't think it's his calling, you know, uh, I think his calling is, is something in the tech world, which we're excited about because we just want him to be, uh, as enthusiastic as we are about our music and, uh, And so, you know, it's something that he just keeps coming back to. So we're just going to make sure that, you know, he can flourish.
2: Well, I I think he's brilliant because if he's in coding and math, that means scholarships to college. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) And we like the sound of that. (laughs) That's
2: right. right. Tuition free school. So. uh, Oh, my
1: goodness. Definitely on
2: his way. There's no question
3: (laughs) about that.
2: Adam, the producer. We talked about Adam, the musician. I want to talk about Adam, the producer, because you're having some great success right now as a producer. In fact, I believe, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you had about six uh, songs on the charts right now that uh, are part of your production. And then you've played on two others. So got about eight songs on the chart, on the Billboard chart right now that are um, great songs, great music and uh, the result of your labor. So talk about your work as a producer. How did you get in that space? And what do you enjoy most about producing?
1: Well, yeah, and that's what's interesting about the industry, too, is you never know what, what one thing will lead to another. And so I've been producing for, you know, uh, 15, 20 years. But it was me putting out my own album and having that album do really well. Then I started getting all these calls, man really, really like your first record. This is back 2016, 2017, who produced it, you know? And, and I would say, well, I did, you know? And so it just grew from there to where at this point right now I have about 16 clients I'm working with, uh, currently doing anywhere from one song up to a full album. And I'm just having just so much fun with it. Um, and what I like about it is I'm able to be creative all the time, all, all day, every day. And, uh, just the nature of the industry, I can't put out as much music as I'm able to, um, to produce because of just the cycle of a record. You tend to want to put a record out and then let it have its cycle, uh, put out three to four singles. And so if I were to only do my own music, then I would just be, uh, kind of sitting around waiting for the next record. So this is a way to just keep making music. And, uh, and yeah, you're exactly right. We're super fortunate. I just found out that, um, One of the songs I'm really proud of, uh, it's a it's a tune for Blake Aaron that features Najee. So it was just so much fun working with both of them. Uh, Blake is an amazing guitarist. Najee, of course, is a legend. And that track just hit number two on Billboard. And it's been um, it's been top 10 for like, I don't know, three months or something. So it's it's been doing really well. Uh, and yeah, a few weeks ago, I had three in the top 10. So uh, yeah, it's just been such a blast. And, uh, and I feel fortunate. You know, you can't do it without great artists. So uh, I definitely uh, am grateful to have all these great musicians reaching out. And, um, and it's been fun. So that's mostly what I've been doing, especially through the pandemic, is, is pretty much just uh, producing and uh, doing my Facebook show. And now that uh, the touring is starting to pick up, then, uh, you know, just uh, squeeze that in as well and uh, continue with these projects. And uh, and as I mentioned, also finishing up my next record as well, which is about it's about 90 percent done. So, uh, you know, just uh, just keeping that pushing. That's a
2: good thing. And of course, we mentioned Billboard. I got to acknowledge the fact that every year Billboard gets a chance to acknowledge a song of the year and uh only one person can have that distinction and in 2020 that just happened to be adam Hawley. congratulations on to the top
1: <laughs> oh thank you well i was a bit sheepish you know i called the song to the top and it actually never uh reached the top on the weekly chart <laughs> right so every week they count all the spins and uh and whoever has the most spins is the number one song so you know, it, it peaked at number two during the year. And so I was a little bit like, Oh, I guess I jinxed myself. Well, early December, my radio promoter, uh, Jason Goroff and shout out to him. He's been incredible um, since the beginning. You know, he hits me up. He said, Hey, you know, you have song of the year. So most, the most spins for all of 2020. And, uh, so I feel super fortunate. I had missed out on it narrowly a few other times. And so it's definitely a, just an honor and a great feeling. And, uh, and shout out to Jeff Ryan, amazing saxophonist from the Bay Area. He was featured on that track and uh, and did an amazing job. And uh, so, yeah, you know, in fact, I had within two weeks, I had a song actually hit the weekly number one chart, Escape, and then two weeks later, uh, found out that To the Top was, was Song of the Year. So that was an amazing uh, couple weeks right there for sure.
2: It had to be. And I'm sure you're going to be spending quite a bit of time at the top. Uh, Based on everything that we're seeing happening right now. Adam, I'm going to ask you one final thing. And that is you got touring coming up here in 2021. I know you're already looking ahead to 22 as well. But that is going to start picking up and resuming a little bit now that we're moving out of the pandemic with vaccinations and more. You got to be pretty excited about that. And I looked at your 2021 schedule at this point, and it is pretty full.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know what happened. I don't know if everyone was on a conference call, but about a month ago, (laughs) bam, the phone just started ringing off the hook. And, uh, so, uh, yes, I feel super fortunate. Um, I did a a cruise kickoff with Dave cause to celebrate, uh, we have one year until the next Dave cause cruise. So that was my first performance and it was so amazing. Obviously Dave was there along with Keiko Matsui, Eric Darius, Vincent Ngala, uh, Chris Walker, uh, and so that was so much fun. Then I played at Seabreeze about five days later, uh, Lindsay Webster and I did a show together and it was, just, uh, it was just electric to be in front of just that, you know, uh, huge audience. Um, it was just so much fun. And then uh, I played Phoenix a few days ago and I'm just about to ship out and do the Warren Hill Festival in Los Cabos. So yeah, we're, we're running now. And uh, yeah, all through the rest of the year, Uh, I have dates all the way through end of November Um, and yeah, people calling for 2022 as well. So uh, yeah, it's definitely exciting. I missed it. Uh, You know, was grateful for all of the blessings through the pandemic and uh, you know, quote unquote, keeping the lights on, you know, we made it through, but, uh, but yeah, this is what we uh, set out to do was to get out and play and tour. So it's great to have it happening again.
2: Well, we're going to look to add Huntsville to your uh, itinerary (laughs) in 2022 (laughs) for sure. Adam Hawley, man, this has been great. Again, thank you for always being such a gracious uh, person in terms of our reaching out to you and connecting with you. And thank you for being just an amazing guest, amazing performer and joining us on the platform here today on Jazz with
1: Kenny Anderson. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, once again, appreciate your support. Hope to see you soon.
0: Jazz with Kenny Anderson is a partnership with Jazz in the Park Huntsville and is produced by David Person for David Person Media, LLC. The theme music was written and produced by Kelvin Wooten. Damian Malone provides podcast platform management. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Jazz with Kenny Anderson. The Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group is an award-winning team with hundreds of successful transactions under their belt. Through their national network, the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group works hard to help families realize the dream of home ownership. As a community advocate, Cynthia Joyner is proud to be the presenting sponsor of Jazz in the Park Huntsville. You can find the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group on the web at CynthiaJoiner.com.